0: In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer,
1: O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. I hate soul. the work of those who follow away. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants.
0: And good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the bo- all the boat rockers are in the house. And anybody else I may have missed? To the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor, Sons of Liberty Media.com. and for Muslim friends, I'm Padilla, the infidel that Allah warned you about. A hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so: sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, and see the faces made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the screen there. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that and you want to catch it, um, you know you can do so up until three o'clock, three p.m. Eastern. Today. At that time, he'll be live in that little area right there on the left side of the page. On the right side of the page is where we're at. All you got to do is click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then the bottom right-hand corner, look for the Rumble icon, click on that, and uh, join us in the chat over at Rumble. We've got a lot of friends over there. Great to see you guys. Carolina, I'm glad to see that you got in today. (laughs) I mean, I know you got in the other day, but for whatever reason, I don't know what the deal is. I I guess it's Rumble. I, I, I have no idea. Uh, but some people say they don't see the chat, and then some days they do. I, d- I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, good to see you guys over there in the chat. And uh, if you want to join us, that's what you need to do. Click the play button, blow it up whatever advice you got, look for the rumble icon. Okay? Right up under that is where you sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that and support us in that. All our articles go out to you once a night between 7 and 8 Eastern. Oh, you used the wrong way. Okay? <laughs> Didn't know what had went on there. Uh, they go out between seven and eight Eastern, and uh, then if you want our ministry email that goes out once a week on Saturdays, okay. And um, so if you if you want the the ministry email, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com, and you'll see what the Sons of Liberty do. It's not just a radio show. It's not just internet. We actually go out among the people and teach our Christian constitutional heritage. Uh, finally, if you would like to help us uh, stay out there among the people on the radio and on the internet, which is probably the most difficult place to be. Um, There's a donate button at the top of of sonslibertymedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And uh, guys, we really do appreciate your support. We do. Um, And the store is available as well. Now the store, we doesn't really go to support us. Most of that stuff, I think from what I'm understanding from Bradley is it's, it's there for the people. It's, you know, oftentimes I think there's even money lost uh, in doing it, but it's there to provide some books for educational purposes, DVDs and stuff like that. Uh, But it's also giving you, there's t-shirts, dog tags, caps, all kinds of stuff in there for great conversation starters. And I know I've had that with many of the shirts that I wear. I go at somebody and I find people reading what's on the shirt. And they're like, what, what is that? Where did that come from? And uh, it gives you a great opportunity to start a conversation with them. Or actually, they're actually starting it uh, by reading what's on your shirt. So, Uh, There's plenty of items in there if you want to check that out as well. Now, there's I've got so much stuff here, and I really want to focus on one thing, but I'm going to take several minutes here just to kind of give you some of the things that um, I'm seeing coming out here. We've got, um, oh, let me just start off with the, I don't know, daily stuff of (laughs) what we're seeing here. Uh, We've got uh, Dave Hollis. Former Disney distributions chief dies at 47. Um, listen to this: Hollis had been recently recently hospitalized for heart-related health issues, though it nec- no exact cause of death has been determined. Now I'm going to tell you what: if they'll tell you there's cardiac arrest, there's myocarditis, there's heart-related issues and it's, especially if it's recently, that means within the past uh, two years or so, a little over two years, you have more of a chance that that is related to the experimental COVID shot than anything else. Now, I'm not saying that if somebody had heart problems before, not relating that, but I'm saying a lot of these just simply say cause of death unknown. They're telling you here. If they have an aggressive cancer that came on, that's prob- probably tied back to the shot too. I'm just saying... It doesn't take much to put two and two together here. Now, there have been people, and I think they do this in, well, I don't think they do this intentionally. I think it's in there, in the mix of people who aren't tying this. They're committing suicide. Uh, They were known to have, we've had some people, young people actually, who've had mental issues, uh, struggling with how to cope with life. Oh, I wish God would put people in their path to give them hope in Christ. I, I really do wish he would do that. Uh, and I pray for that. I pray that the Lord sends laborers into the field, even as Jesus said that we should pray for, uh, for some of these young people, that they might hear the truth of the gospel and that they might repent and that they might know the Savior. Uh, But here's David Hollis, uh, 47 years old, dead, heart-related issues. Here's another one. Eminem. Whoops, I don't know why we're not showing that. That's really weird. Eminem's uh, former stunt double, Ryan Shepard, dead at 40 after being hit by a truck. (laughs) <laughs> so this is, see, this is what I'm talking about. But I've never seen so many people die uh, who are on this front who are, are are dying, period. I've just, I've never seen it like this. I really haven't. I, I remember years ago that, um, you know, when you would see... Uh, some celebrity die, they usually happen in threes, and they happen across about a week. I, I don't know what the deal was with that, but they usually happen like that. And uh, so here was just some, that was just something I pulled up today, and there were a couple of others as well. Um, but what I want to do is I want to hit a couple of things, like, okay, for instance, we've got that, now we've got a, uh, a shooting that took place at uh, Michigan State University. This comes from the Lansing State Journal. They look like they're a part of the USA Today crowd to me. Um, Just their whole setup here looks like that. I don't know why that thing was shut. But we're told here this was updated last at 1.55 p.m. Um, That would have been yesterday. The suspect in the mass shooting at Michigan State University on Monday is a 43-year-old man who had no affiliation with the college, MSU police and public safety interim. Deputy Chief Chris Roseman said... We have no idea why he came to the campus to do this, Rose. I bet they'll find a manifesto. What do you want to you want to bet that's what's going on? They're going to find a manifesto and they're going to release that and blah blah blah. It's the same old playbook that they've been given. Um, their interim president says a day of shock and heartbreak. We're devastated at the loss of life. Are you're devastated really? Well, why don't you institute some things that say you know what federal government, you know what state government? This place is not going to be a gun free zone. We're going to defy you, and we're going to encourage students to carry their guns. We'll even provide training. Why don't you do that? Then you won't probably be so devastated. Well, Tim, you're making this political. I'm not making it political. These are God-given rights. This has nothing to do with politics, except for the people who want to disarm those who go on these campuses. Plain and simple. That's what this is. And you can... You can look, shootings take place every single day. They take place every single day. And yet, what's going on? Oh, we're devastated. Yeah, when it comes to your front door, when it happens like that and you lose people, I understand the devastation, but you can avoid a lot of that devastation by simply. Eliminate the gun free zones. Why do I say that? I did this article back in 2015. I haven't even really looked at a lot of this because I think it made the point itself. But since 2009, now I wrote this in the end of 2015. But at that time, 2015, this is what, seven, eight years, seven years ago. It's not quite eight. Since 2009, 92% of mass shootings in the U.S have occurred where? At your local Walmart? Um, at government buildings? In your churches? Nope. In gun-free zones. Gun-free zones. That's where 92% at least as of that time. And I don't think the number is all that drastically different, whether it's higher or lower. That's where they happen. Why? Because the shooters can go in there, and those who go to those places unarmed... Are the soft targets? They're easy targets. And whatever the narrative is coming out of here, you you be careful about what you believe about what the Mockingbird media tells you about all of this stuff. All right. And you guys are smart people. It's not like, you know, you're not smart about things. Here's a couple of uh, videos that I've got also. And this one, I don't know where it's coming out of Asia somewhere. Okay, but there's a there's a young man. And he's dancing or whatever. And there's a girl singing. I think there's some people playing some instruments or whatever. And this guy just kills over dead. And you want to know what this is? I mean, this is a young man. Uh, Asians, to me, are kind of hard to um, figure out ages. I remember when I went out to California, there was a waitress who was serving us. And she looked like she was, like, in her 20s. And, I, you know, being the... Rambunctious young man that I was at eighteen, uh, I was like, "Oh, telling my aunts, hey, you know her? Yeah, we know her. Well, hook me up on a date." You know, that's the way I looked at it at the time. And um, she said, "Oh no, this lady's old enough to be your mama." I said, "What?" And sure enough, yep, she was like in her forties or something. But anyway, uh, this is a this is a young man, and I don't again I don't know his age, but uh, check out what happens to him. And for those who are who are. Listening by way of the radio, he just kind of puts his hands on his head, leans against the girl who's singing, and just slumps over and falls on the floor. And uh, then they play it again in slow motion, but he, I mean, he just loses all sense of control of his body and uh, just falls over dead on the floor. This is another one. Uh, those of you who've watched the afternoon show with Bradley, uh, you've seen this video. Uh, well, I can't play it because she does use some some language. So I, you know, it's going out over the air. I can't do that. But uh, I'm going to have this up in the archive if you want to hear it. This is a woman who screamed out, "They killed my dad and blamed me and my mom for not getting vaccinated." Mm-hmm. They're blaming the people for what they are doing. It's like you know, when we had Kirk yesterday, uh, Kirk Moore, Dr. Kirk Moore. The feds are going after him and alleging things about him and undermining the faith of the federal health care system and putting people's lives at risk and you know, calling into question all this stuff. They're the ones who've done it. They're the ones who are killing people by pushing these shots. Paying the doctors and incentivizing them, greasing the wheels to put people in the hospital, put them on ventilators, give them Rindisivir, um, murder them with other drugs. And that's what they're doing. They're murdering them. And I don't know, you know, me and my son-in-law talked about this. We're probably just going to do a, it's probably going to be a podcast where just me and him and maybe some other people sit around, whatever. Won't be some celebrity thing. Uh, but just us talking. And we were talking Saturday night about this very thing. And my son-in-law said, I, I see what's going on in my county. They are murdering children. And we know they're murdering children. And all we can come up with is a protest with signs. We're not putting a stop to it. And I agree with him. We're not putting a stop to it. What do we do? We haven't been taught that. We see it in the movies. You, you watch a Braveheart, you watch a the Patriot, or any of that stuff, and what you'll see is you'll see men that see there is evil there, there is wickedness there, and they actually go do something about it to stop it. To stop it. You know, when we talk about Protestants, what, what was the protest about? Well, the protest was about spiritual things and the fact that the Roman church was fleecing the people to build St. Peter's. They were were scaring the people. They were lying to the people, not only about the people, but about God himself. And they were wanting indulgences. And they were wanting the people caught in in a religious slavery to them. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible says we're to be slaves to Christ and slaves to righteousness. We are to be that. We've been set free from being a slave to sin. Now we're a slave unto God, a slave unto righteousness. But that's what the Roman church wanted to do. This guy right here, and uh, some of you on Red State Talk Radio, you won't be able to see the video, but you'll hear what he's doing. He's out here with his bullhorn. He's warning people about Uh, What's going on with those who've been given the shot? I mean, here we are. What? We're in our third year of the shot stuff, and some people still don't get it. They've been mind-controlled by the boob tube, or as Kate says, the idiot's lantern. They've been mind-controlled by that. They're still going along with the narrative. They're not even questioning. And they look at anybody who questions it going, wait a minute, we got to trust our government. If we can't trust our government, we can't trust anybody. That's right. You can't trust anybody, including your government. You can't. What does the Bible say about Jesus? Jesus didn't commend himself to them because he knew what was in them. He's talking about man. His heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? So it's always laughable to me when you see these songs or the movies or you read the story or whatever, and the people say, just, "Just, just follow your heart. Follow your heart if you're in Christ, because God directs your heart. He directs it. But if you're outside of Christ, you can't trust that thing. Even in Christ." Your own flesh will seek to deceive you. That's why wherever you go, it needs to be in line with the Word of God. Here's this guy. Uh, Again, I think he is over in England, if I'm not mistaken. But check this out. This is the guy who's a hero. And watch him shrug off the cops here. It's really, really interesting. So the cops are trying to stop him. And he keeps shooting them down. And he keeps going on with his bad self with the (laughs) bullhorn. World, world. This is a hero too, by the way. Dr. Kirk Moore is a hero. This guy is. Now you see the cops all moving in here. No, Shame
1: on you. i you can't find any
0: link. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. All you. oh, you your media whore. Your vaccine treatment. All oh, your people who don't you laugh, in your lifetime. your And there's a lot of people for people who are on the radio. There are people wrapped all around him. They're having a and here's one guy with a gallows. There you go. Be looking for that show to come this week. tell it to your children, tell it to your grandchildren, what you're not doing, Mm. what you're not doing, how you are betraying the next generation. Wow. Now he's preaching (laughs) here, which is, preaching is just proclaiming, that's all it is. He's preaching here to people who are standing around with their cameras, and they're listening, and they're just kind of stone-faced. And I recall John MacArthur one time saying that uh, in his um, seminary training, he was told that, you know, you had to get up in front of the class and you had to recite these things. And it was one of the things he said was incredibly funny. He said, I had to get up in front of the class, and I said, I had to say, you stones, you blocks, you more than worthless things, or something like that is how he had to dress them. It's very reminiscent of John the Baptist calling, uh, and Jesus calling the Pharisees vipers and whitewashed sepulchers and all this kind of stuff, the hypocrites and everything that they were. And uh, he had to it. Rel- this guy's calling them out. You're betraying the next generation by not standing up. You're betraying the next generation by not standing up. Um This is coming out in the news more and more. Um, And I I can't play the video again because of some language, but I will have it in the archive. This is concerning that alleged Ohio train disaster, right? Extremely toxic and carcinogenic. vinyl chloride was released. Some people think there was an actual bomb. Could be. Probably whatever you're being told in the Mockingbird media, you can expect it to be the exact opposite. At least that's how I look at it. Many times, but this is the one that happened, um, uh, you know, back just a short while ago, out there in Palestine, Ohio. So we'll have that in the um, in the archive as well. And um, so let's let's take a look at a couple a couple of things. This is one thing that I kind of wanted to focus on today. How many of you are familiar with the Asbury Revivals? Now. You know, I'm not a uh, a big reader of John Wesley. I, I've read some of his stuff. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good, and there's a lot of things that I go, ooh, wait, wait, what?" Um, but nevertheless, uh, Asbury is in the tradition of the Wesleyans, and they had revivals in the past. I mean, real revival. It's not this thing where they schedule, here. we're going to have four days of revival or five days of revival. We're going to have a special speaker come in and blah, blah, blah. We're going to do all this stuff uh, for an hour or two a night and, and that kind of thing. We're talking about where it appears that God is in their midst and nobody wants to leave. And they're staying there overnight and into the morning and the next day and uh, for weeks at a time. I bet you haven't heard a lot of this in the Mockingbird media. This is what is going on now at Asbury has been happening non-stop since Wednesday since Wednesday okay let me play for you this report this is from WKYT hopefully this will come right up yeah.
1: for over 100 hours people have filled the rows of Hughes Auditorium at Asbury University to worship it's referred to now as a revival but began on Wednesday spontaneously when students felt the urge to stay after the mandatory chapel service. We uh, are unique because three times a week we stop everything that we're doing uh, and gather for a chapel service together. This is just a service that uh, hasn't ended. Since Wednesday, the phenomenon has spread all throughout social media, with churches and other campuses bringing busloads of people to the chapel. Lloyd Neneber had never heard of Asbury before, but after seeing the social media posts, he drove seven hours from North Carolina to see the revival in Wilmore for himself.
0: With what's going on in the world and all the darkness,
1: and this was like light, like the, uh, you know, a light coming through. And so I wanted to see what was going on, see so God moving. A revival like this is not uncommon for the university. Back in 1970, A similar revival lasted for two weeks.
0: Hundreds of people from Kentucky, Indiana, and Michigan attended a testimony service on the campus of Asbury College in Wilmore.
1: But since then, there has not been an act of worship of this length. Students and community members continue to find peace in dwelling and worshiping in the chapel and say they don't see signs of stopping anytime soon. Like we're just sitting with him and like it's just deeply Gentle and like deeply loving. Um, And it's just a glimpse of what I think heaven will will be like. Allison Perfader and many other students and faculty encourage people to come out to Asbury and see the revival for themselves. If it's for 20 minutes, if it's for a couple hours, if it's for the week, like you can't lose anything, you know, but you can gain like everything. In Wilmore, Hallie DeVore, WKYT.
0: Okay all right now I, I you know I recognize that some people will look at this and they'll go, okay, this looks like a modern day thing you know but listen the Bible talks about lifting up holy hands there's nothing wrong with lifting up your hands. I know when at our church when, when we have the benediction that's given I, I lift my hands as to receive that benediction from the Lord um, it, it is his word that, that's been given to us but here's the thing. This has been something the, the lady in the report has mentioned that this has happened before. And by the way, um, for those who say, well, wait a minute, Tim, aren't you one of these guys, and I hate even using the terms, um, aren't you one of these guys who believes in the sovereignty of God over everything, including who's saved? And who Yep, I do. And, you know, Wesley, despite my disagreements with him in some of his theology, he was good friends with George Whitfield, who believed the same things I do. When it comes to that. And they were good friends. In fact, when George Whitfield died, guess who preached his sermon, who's his funeral? John Wesley. See, listen, God has his people throughout. If they're look, if God saved us on the basis of our theology, we would all be in trouble. We would all be in trouble. The thing is, we've got to recognize the Christ, we've got to recognize what he did, but we would all be in trouble. This is why I'm patient with brothers and sisters. I know what it is to be taught wrong, to have to unlearn it, to learn what's right. I know what it is to be among people that you think are in the light, and then all of a sudden the lights come on, and you go, wait a minute. These people are dark. I, I understand that. But this place has been a site for, and I'm, we're not talking about revivals. And When I was growing up, a revival was, we've got this speaker coming in, and he's going to be here Sunday through Friday or Saturday or whatever, right? And so every night, you've, you're there for an hour, an hour and a half, or whatever, and you're singing, and you're there's preaching, and this, that, and the other. And I'm not saying God doesn't move in that. He does use his word. That's, that's how he saves people, is through the foolishness of preaching, is what the Scripture says. But I want you to see something here. This is just from Asbury. Um, and before I do that, let me do this. We have had uh, my friend Deanna Lynn Spangler. Uh, Deanna is, and I told her, this is, I consider her to be a modern um, uh, Mary Magdalene. Uh, Deanna has a tremendous testimony, and she's written a book on it, and then she wrote another book after that. uh, The first one was about uh, being in the sex trade. She was in the uh, porn industry. And then she came out of that, became a Christian, and she actually went to Asbury, got a... uh, degree there, and in, in some things, and she's also some kind of physical therapist or something. I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. Anyway, we have her interview. I'll throw that in the um, uh, the archives that you can hear. And then she wrote another book. Oh, well, actually, we had her and her husband back on, and she had gotten pregnant with twins. And then we had her back on when she had another book that was Life After the Sex Trade, which. She talked about things. It's just incredible. If you haven't read the books, I would highly recommend reading both books uh, because Deanna had to learn stuff that many of us learned when we were growing up in our homes. But she didn't have a home where these things were taught at all, and so some of them you kind of yawn and go, "What's the big deal there?" And then when you look back to her life, you go, "Hmm, here's a." So I wrote to Deanna because she's an. I think they. I think she is an Asbury alumnist, if you will. I said, what's going on at Asbury? I'm hearing about this again. And I knew about the 1970 deal, but I'm going to share with you some other things, too. And then we're going to, I want to go to Scripture for this. I said, what's going on? She said, this is what she wrote to me, lots. Revival has been happening here since Wednesday. God's people are being healed, refreshed, connected, and recommissioned. It's so tangibly beautiful and glorious. People are coming from cities. Gen C is praying over parents and seniors. Generation Z is praying over parents. They're not cursing them. They're praying for them. So exciting to see God moving in the youth, spreading a revolution of compassion and commitment. A nine-year-old was healed of dyslexia and able to read a chapter in the Bible. One of my friends saw a guy right in front of her get healed of some ringing in his ears and deafness. And then right next to her, a girl who had an issue with her wrist that she was born with and couldn't bend it a certain way was healed. It was really awesome. When I walked in there, it literally felt like being at the throne of God. This is Deanna Lynn Spangler. The spirit was tangibly hovering. It was warm, thick, peaceful, gentle, and unforced. And she sent me some stuff. I'm not going to put it on here because this is her little girls. And gosh, they've gotten big. <laughs> It's only, I think this was during the uh, pandemic, 2020 or something, when she had these girls. They have her infectious smile in her eyes, that's for sure. But um, she's got pictures of these little girls worshiping. I think they're like two years old or so, lifting their hands up in worship. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. And yet, she says students are coming from different cities and surfing people's carpets until it's time to go home and bring the love of God, into the world. All I can go by is what the people are saying there. I don't I don't know. We'll see the fruit, though, if that's indeed what it was. And let me take you back just a little bit. I found this online. This is from Asbury. This is not the first time. Neither was 1970. In February 1905, during a blizzard, a prayer meeting in the men's dormitory spilled out to the rest of the campus in the town of Wilmore. In 1908... Revival broke out while someone prayed in chapel. The revival lasted two weeks and was signified by prevailing prayer and intercession. Hmm. 1921, the last service of a planned revival lasted until 6 a.m. and services were extended for three days. Let me tell you something. That's This is where uh, people are hungry to hear the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know what the guys preached. I can't sit here and tell you that. But if they preach Christ crucified and they got it, even though their theology might be off some, God can use a crooked stick to strike a straight lick, if that's what he wants to do, okay? Now, he would rather use a straight stick, but he can use a crooked one. In February 1950, a student testimony led to confessions, victories, and more testimonies. This went on uninterrupted for 118 hours, became the second leading news story nationwide. It is estimated that 50,000 people found a new experience in Christ as a result of this revival and witness. And again, I'm just kind of giving you the history here. I'm not backing anybody's theology or any of this other stuff. I'm just giving you the history that they have here. Here's 1970. Dean Custer B. Reynolds, scheduled to speak in chapel, felt led to invite purses to give personal testimony instead. Many on campus had been praying for spiritual renewal and were now in the expectant mood. Some that assumed there was a large group waiting in a line to speak. A spirit of powerful revival came upon the congregation. The chapel was filled with rejoicing people. Classes were canceled for a week. During the 144 hours of unbroken revival. But even after classes resumed on February 10th, Hughes Auditorium was left open for prayer and testimony. These sessions were presided over by Reynolds, Clarence Hunter, and other faculty. And look, I, I get it. Some people can just go in there to be show-offs. I get it. They're in the flesh. I get things happen like that. But I've been in I've been in I've been in a church that I can honestly say that I would now disagree with a lot of their doctrine. But I know the pastor because he's my dad. And I know there was reality there that my dad wanted to honor God in his exposition of Scripture. And I saw I saw people healed. I You couldn't explain what went on. You couldn't explain that. I don't look for healings. I don't look for signs. I don't do that. I look to the Word of God. That is, healings don't bring the power to convert sinners. They don't. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, a lot of the people, you know, I was, I'm almost come to the conclusion the people Jesus healed were people who were his own. He, because those, when he couldn't perform miracles, what does it say? It's because they had no faith. They weren't given the gift of faith. And faith is a gift, Okay. So when people say we have all these faiths around the world, no, you have different religions, but there's only one faith, one baptism, right? And that what we read that the other week when we were talking about the giftings, Ephesians chapter 4. There's one faith. And that's the Christian faith. It's the faith in the Christ, the one the Father sent to save his people from their sins. But there's 1970. March 1992. This one also. And you can still see some, uh, there's, a, there's some videos here. If you guys want to check it out, I'll have the link in here in the, um, in the archives. The student confession during the closed chapel of the annual holiness conference turned into 127 consecutive hours of prayer and praise. The, the question that I have in all of this is this. What happens when the revival is over? What do people do? Now, my understanding is, at least in the 1970s, there was a great move where people went out in the world. That's my, that's my understand, And they went and did something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. You're exactly right, Wordsworth. I was thinking of that. Um, he says, the Lord used Caiaphas and a donkey to speak some truth. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But my, my point in when I say that they... That they, um, that they have this going on is I remember there was a message that was given. And the story went that there was a sodomite who came into the back of the church. And the passage of Scripture, I think it came out of the Psalms. And it talked about making, actually I think it came out of Isaiah, sorry, making your paths straight. Now, those of you who know the sodomite community, we're gay. There's no such thing. There just isn't. And they're compared to what? Straight. The straight people. And there was a guy who was engaged in the sodomite lifestyle in California, came into the church. The pastor read the text. Simply read the text. He didn't preach on it or anything. And the sodomite came under such conviction, he was like, at the end of the thing... Uh, the 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 service the preaching, the guy ran up to the front, crying, "What do I got to do to be saved? What do I got to do?" You can't preach that. I mean, you just can't preach that into existence. That is the work of God, and He uses the Word of God in doing that. And so, when that Word went forth, He was and He said, "I couldn't wait for you to shut up so I could settle what's going on in me." And I'm going to tell you what, that's what happens to the person that's born again. They're not looking for show. They're not, in fact, many times they're looking to hide themselves. Ever been convicted of your sin? While somebody's preaching the truth, ever been convicted of your sin, and you just want to get away from everybody and settle it with the Lord? Yep, I had a bunch of that. That's always the way it happens to me. I don't want to be around people. I want to go and be with the Lord and confess my sin and cry out for mercy. So, with that said, there was a, there's, and I'll have some of these things. You guys can read them. Use your discernment in these things. But, uh, but I can tell you this. When you look at what goes on here, you'll find that this is not something that can be controlled. When God moves, you don't control it. You don't schedule it. You don't put it into an hour thing that's going on. You don't say it'll start here and it'll end here. No, it's the work of God because he's the sovereign Lord. And again, if he wants to use a cricket stick to do it, he can do it. And he's going to deal with those who are teaching false doctrine or wrong doctrine too. He's going to do that. But he's also going to do... Look, look to Balaam. For instance, um, Mr. Wordsworth mentioned uh, the donkey to speak truth. Look to Balaam. Balaam was a, a non prophet and I say that with non-profit, like not for money. Well, he was for money, but he was a non-profit. He was not prophesying uh, according to how God would have him do from the heart. Now, he was prophesying, and so he was paid off to go prophesy a curse upon Israel. And every time the guy opened his mouth, what happened? Well, he was prophesying blessings to Israel. Because though he was wicked in his heart, uh, he was still prophesying the truth, right? And so since it, when he'd opened his mouth, it, it, the job wasn't getting done, he told the king who was paying him, he says, well, here's how you do it. You get the men of Israel to intermarry among the pagans. And that will bring the curse on them because they'll be disobeying God. Hmm. Sold out his own people. For some money. So that can happen. There's no doubt about it. We've read about false teachers within the scriptures. Those who prophesy and it comes to pass, but they lead you after a God you have not known. And those who prophesied and it does come to pass, but they lead you after a God you have not known. You're not to fear them. You're to stone them with stones. I wonder what we would get if the church actually took that to heart. Men like Kenneth Copeland, men like... Creflo Dollar and I don't even know some of these other people they wouldn't be living, they wouldn't be breathing anymore the church would put the evil away from them but they don't do it they don't do it and it's a shame that they don't put the evil away from them, that they don't call them out but they don't now with that said title of today's show is, um, as the enemy comes in like a flood, a standard is being raised up against it. This comes from Isaiah chapter 59, and as always, I want to read the context. This will take just a little bit, but I want you to hear the word of the Lord to his people, okay? And I want you to see what he's doing in the midst of it, okay? Take a look at this behold the Lord's hand is not shortened this is Isaiah 59 if you're following along by the radio if you're on the video platforms you're seeing this here verse 1 the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear this this thing of his, his hand is not shortened that it cannot save and you guys see these t-shirts or these bumper stickers that says just try Jesus the devil will take you back that's just nonsense. You don't try Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus goes out to seek and save that which is lost. And when he finds one that's his, guess what he does? He has an effectual work. Jesus didn't come to make salvation possible for sinners. He came to save them. By the way, if somebody tells you that, well, he saved you, but you got to keep yourself. Go read the book of Galatians. That's nonsense. Are you say? Are you... Did you start in the Spirit and you're trying to be perfected in the flesh? Is that what you're trying to do? That's a lie. That needs to be corrected. What about the issue that somehow you can be born again, but somehow lose your salvation? What kind of nonsense is that? If Jesus is the author of your faith, he is also the finisher of your faith, which means he's writing everything in between, guys. You have nothing to boast of but Christ. I don't care how righteous you get. I don't care how how much sin you cast off. I don't care how much of the old man you destroy and you put on Christ. You have nothing to boast in but Christ because he's doing in that. The Bible says he works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. So if you have a desire to follow Christ and you do follow Christ, You can't boast about that. That is the work of God in your heart. That is the standard that God is raising up for the people to see around you and to demonstrate his glory through you. But let's continue. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. That he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. Oh, this is a message for America and the world at large, not just for the people of Israel. Even though that's who it's directed at, the application can definitely be be in here. None calleth for justice. Hmm, that's what we call for here all the time, isn't it? We require it of those. Who are tyrannical, committing sins and crimes and the like. All, all sin is crime against the, the Most High. It's treason against the King. None calleth for justice, none nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice's eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth. And that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Hmm. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths, Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither does justice overtake us. We're getting injustice, and justice is not on the scene. Boy, does that sound like the United States of America today? Yes, it does. We wait for light. Oh, the Q people are waiting for light. How many years have I been hearing from the Q people? Just trust the plan. Just just, we're in the storm. They've been telling us we're in the storm for I don't know how many years. You know, ten days of darkness. Listen, you are listening to a liar. I don't know any way to say it. You're listening to a liar. Whoever Q is, the number of people they are, the foreign entities that some of them are, you're listening to a liar. You're listening to a psyop. Oh, I know they throw scripture out, but so does Satan. Remember how Satan tempted Jesus? What did he do? Well, it says that he's going to uphold you. You won't even stub your toe. The angel come along and he's going to to keep you from stubbing your toe. Just jump off the temple here. Show us that you're really God. Why Why don't you bow down before me? And what does Jesus always correct him with? Scripture in the context. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Man shall not live by bread alone. That's what he went back to, the Word of God in context. Satan knows the Scriptures. He knows what to leave out. He knows how to twist it. He knows how to do all those things. And you better be careful when somebody's quoting Scripture and they don't stay in the context. If you don't learn, listen, if you don't learn anything from me, that's fine. But I hope you will learn one thing. You will learn when somebody quotes a text of Scripture, especially just a verse out of nowhere, that you will go back and look at what was before it. In fact, you will read the chapters before it because usually there's an argument being made. There's a Hebrews is a great example of that. There is a long argument of chapters about the superiority of Christ over the old covenant system. And there are other verse there are other books that people quote a verse out of con- John chapter 3 is a prime example everybody likes John 316 don't they it makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside until you read everything that came before and everything that came after because if you preach the gospel to people if you point out sin what do they say oh well, you're judging me no we're making moral judgments there's no question about that but we don't make judicial judgments it's not for me to make that moral judgments yes and Jesus said that we should judge with righteous judgment we've done a show on this before but you i hope that you learn this one thing go to the context go to the context go to the context the context will help you understand even difficult passages it will help you and when we went through genesis chapter 6 the other week what, did I, what was the point that I was making? All through that, everybody wants to get off on angels and demigods and weird hybrids and all this kind of stuff. What did the text say over and over and over and over again in Genesis 6? Men, 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 the wickedness of man, the, the heart of man was you know, evil continually. It was man. God repented that he made man. And nothing to do with angels has everything to do with man. That's what the context bears out. So when somebody comes and says, oh, sons of God is angels. Ain't in the context. Sorry, ain't there. In fact, if you go before, you'll see there's two lines. Line of Seth, line of Cain. Sons of God, daughters of men. That's what the context bears out. You have to bring in stuff and you have to read into it, which is that big theological term, eisegesis. You read into the text rather than exegesis, which is you pull out of the text what's actually there. And the same thing happens here. Let's go. We're running short on time here. And we may have to go over. I don't know. I'm trying to get it in within the hour. He says, Therefore is judgment far from us, neither does justice overtake us. We wait for the light, but behold, obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness. Oh. What does 1 John say about that? The one who is in Christ doesn't walk in darkness, he walks in the light as he is in the light. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far off from us. He's trying to put them in the lowest spot that they can, that he can, because he recognizes where their sin has taken them. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee. It's not just one thing that we did wrong. We're doing everything wrong because we've departed wickedly from our God. We've departed wickedly from our God. And our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord. Ooh, ooh. Transgressing and lying against. Lord, you're the liar. We're not in sin. What does the Bible say? If you say you have no sin, you make who a liar? Who is that? Yourself? Well, yeah, you're a liar, but you're making God out to be a liar because you say you have no sin. And departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward. Can you say January 6th? I mean, if that isn't justice turned away backwards, I don't know what it is. And justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Real equity, not the equity they talk about today. Equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil make himself a prey. If you're going to follow the Lord Jesus, you will be a prey. You will be as a lamb led to the slaughter. Why? Because men hate you because they hate your master, your Lord, the Lord Jesus. That's that's the issue. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak this is the lord this you know the 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 modern church teaches you is gentle lowly jesus you know he's kind of he's kind of this effeminate looking pansy hippie, penny-waist fella Out there in his robes, and he's got some lambs in his arms, and a little staff, and his nice, effeminate look. Nope. It says, he put on righteousness as a breastplate. He's got a helmet of salvation upon his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Fury to his adversaries. And you guys, check this out. Any of you guys ever read Second Thessalonians? What does it say there? It says when Jesus returns, what is he going to do? He's coming in flaming fire with his angels to execute execute vengeance upon those who what? doesn't say believe. It says obey the gospel. Yep. If you're looking for Jesus to come back while you're practicing iniquity, you might want to rethink that. And then you might want to repent accordingly. Because if you're practicing iniquity, what does Jesus say? Depart from me. You who work iniquity, you who practice lawlessness, depart from me. I never knew you. I'm just going to go over a couple of minutes. I know I say that in this in like 40 minutes. Anyway, if you want to catch that, sunsillivertymedia.com, before snews.com, and Bradley Booth is free. Lord willing, we'll be back here with you in the morning. Common Core Diva, Rotten to the Core Wednesday. Don't miss it. See you. All right. Thank you, everybody, uh, for your comments. I'm catching little bits in places, um, and places. Uh, and welcome, everybody, coming over from Red State Talk Radio. Uh, Basil, I, I don't know what you're disagreeing with, but if you want to put it in there, I'll be happy to try to. Uh, uh, try to address that uh, i don't look let me let me tell you i mean most people know who've been listening to me anytime if you disagree with me that's cool that's cool how else if if we're if we have blind spots how do we correct them what, both of us can't be right about something there has to be a truth we may both be wrong or one of us may be right and one of us may be wrong but there has to be a place where we come together and we look at the Scripture and we say, okay, what's going on here? Um, so, okay, we've talked about this before. Okay, cool. Oh, you're talking about the Genesis 6 thing. That's that's cool. That's fine. Um, I, no, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you chiming in. Look, I, if, people, if people disagree, the Bible says that we're to come to the unity of the faith, right? And I really do believe... That the closer we are to Christ, that we grow to Christ, the more we are in the Scriptures, the closer we are in unity around the real faith. Does that mean everybody's going to get it all at once? No. This is part of the sanctification process. This is part of why I talked about we all had different gifts. This is part of why I gave the example of Paul and Barnabas and their division that was there over John Mark. And then later on you see, well, Barnabas used his gift, son of encouragement. That's what his name meant to bring Mark and mature him to the point where Paul, who wouldn't have anything to do with Mark, says, bring Mark, he's he's profitable to me. See, I want to encourage that unity instead of the division. Yes, Jesus came to bring a sword to divide. There's no question about that. He didn't come to bring peace, he came to bring a sword. And he says that even among a man's family. But among his people, he came to bring unity. Unity. Keep that in mind. There are differences. There is a balance of things. It's like, though I believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation, that he has his people marked out from before time began, promise he made to his son, I still believe man is responsible to obey God. The problem is he's incapable of doing it because of his fallen nature. Still responsible. Incapable. But with all things, God with all things with God, it's possible. And it's not only possible for his people, it is effectual. Now, if you don't know what that means, it doesn't mean Jesus made salvation possible. It means he saves. There is no if ands, and buts. There's no you're rejecting him if you're one of his, if you're called out to be one of his, if you're one of his elect. There's none of that. And you go, well, Tim, do you know who? Why don't you just preach to that? Well, I don't know. I'm not God. I don't know why people don't get that. That's all in the scripture. And I want to exalt God, not man. If you know, if you even have an inkling of what goes on in your own heart, you'll know that's true. Because you want to go do what you want to do, not what he wants you to do. And if your will is changed, guess what? It didn't come from you, it came from God. He granted you the very repentance that he demands. He granted you the very faith that he demands. He granted you the very righteousness of Christ that he demands. He gives that. He gives it all. You have nothing to boast of. You want to tell me about your righteousness and your holiness? I, I ran across a guy years ago, younger, younger fellow. I think he was in his late 20s or something. He was a little older than I was. Maybe he was early 30s. I don't know. We're in a shop. Having a discussion, this guy pops in and he goes, you know, I don't have to confess my sins anymore. I, I don't sin anymore. Really? Hmm. What's John say about a person like that? If we say we have no sin, we make him out to be a liar. Who's that God? And the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. If you're a person that says you have no sin... When I see godly men of the past that didn't even, the Bible didn't even speak of their sin, let's take Daniel for instance, and what do you see about Daniel in Daniel chapter 9? He's confessing his sin and the sin of his people. What do you see with Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6? Here's the prophet of God, and when he is before the unadulterated glory of God in the temple with Christ seated on the throne and his train filling the temple, what does he say? I'm coming. I'm descending. I'm coming apart. I'm disintegrating in the face of holiness. Because I am a sinful man. I have unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Don't sit here and tell me you're without sin. Just don't even try it. Because you're a liar trying to make God a liar, and that don't fly here. It don't fly here. It don't fly. Because it's unbiblical. Are you becoming sinless? Are you being conformed to the image of Christ? Yes, you are. If you're a believer. If you're really a believer. Romans 8 and following. 8.28 and following. We talked about the golden chain of redemption. We talked about God's elect in in Romans chapter 9. Yeah, and that's all glory to God. Because he's the one doing it in you. But I want you to see the Christ here. He's coming on in battle. A breastplate. A helmet. A helmet. The garments of vengeance for clothing. This is very reminiscent of what you read in Revelation chapter 19. He has his robes dipped in blood, and on his thigh was the name Lord of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he had a sword that went out of his mouth to do battle, right? And he says, according to their deeds, according he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will repay recompense. Now listen to this. This is the key verse here of what we're going with today. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, ooh, and his glory from the rising of the sun, the east. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. L- let, me, let me give you that again. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the lord shall lift up a standard against him and the redeemer shall come to zion and unto them that turn from transgression in jacob saith the lord as for me this is my covenant with them said the lord my spirit that is upon thee and my words which i have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed saith the lord from henceforth And forever. Listen, church. This is a message for the church right here. Believers in the Lord Jesus. I know things look dark. I know they look hopeless. But that's because whatever you're seeing in the media is designed to make you think that. It's designed to make you think that. Why? Why? Because who are the people's daddy who are putting that stuff out? That's right, it's Satan. It's Satan himself. These are his children. The fear, the anguish, the lack of hope. And I'm talking about real hope. I'm not talking about hope that Donald Trump's going to save you because I don't believe any of that stuff, or Joe Biden, or anybody that's what they're there to do, is to destroy the hope you have in Christ. What does the Bible say? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Against him. And you guys ever been hunting? I take my boys out. We get a couple of times a year sometimes, mostly at Thanksgiving or around Christmas, something like that. We go out and sit in the woods. And um, we'd go out there before the sun came up. It's freezing cold out there. You got your you know, your big over coveralls on. You got a little pup tent that you got there. You got a window open where you can see out. You got your rifle. And my boys would be over in their chairs in the little pup tent we had. Uh, they'd be zonked out with blankets all over them. I guess they were frozen to death. I don't, I don't know what the deal was. And it was dark. And as right before... The sun comes up. It gets really... I mean, you could at least... Your eyes could get used to walking down the trail to where we're going back in the woods and stuff. And you get back there and sit, and you could see. And then right before the sun comes up, it gets really pitch black, and it gets really cold. And then the sun starts coming in, and you get these orange streaks through the the trees that are there. And, of course, by this time, all the leaves have fallen off, so you get that kind of you know, wintry kind of look without snow here, of course. (laughs) But you get that. And then as the sun breaks through and the light starts coming on after that really pitch black, you begin to see all these things that were making the noise. You see the squirrel over by the side. You see this bird over here. You see whatever. We've even seen some turkeys out there. You begin to see what's going on. I want to encourage you today, brothers and sisters, It looks dark. But the sun's coming up. The sun is coming up. He is going to do his will in the earth. Don't think he's not. Is he going to clad himself with a brass plate? Is he going to clad himself with a helmet? Yep. Is he going to bring the sword? Is he going to wear the robes of vengeance? Yep. And he's going to raise up a standard against the enemy. I know you say, well, Tim, you preach judgment all the time, Deuteronomy 28. Yep, that's exactly right. But we're in the new covenant. And though God works that way, he does have a way of getting his people's attention. And we may have to go through some real dark times. It may seem dark now, but like I said, when I I walked with my boys down in the woods, it was dark. But you could kind of see stuff. And then it got really dark before the sun came out. And the light shines brightest in the darkness, doesn't it? Put a light on in the middle of the day while you've, got, uh, while you've got the lights on in your house, or the sun's out and everything. You put a light on. You can see that it's on, but it's really of no effect. Go out there at nighttime when it's really dark. No moon out or anything. And put the light on and see the difference. You are called to be the light of the world. A city on a hill. Now let me ask you something. Professed believers... Are you being a light to the world? Are you being a city on a hill? Is that what you're being? In the area that you're in? Or are you just like your neighbor, except you tacked Jesus on? You're complaining about things, but you're not looking for the solution and trying to be a part of the solution. Repent. You know, Repentance is part of the Christian life, isn't it? Every day. There are things that we don't know that we learn and we have to turn away from. There are things that we don't know and we learn and we have to grab hold of. What are you doing? Are you part of the standard that the Lord... Were? I don't know what's going on with Asbury. I can, I can only tell you what has been in this report. I can tell you what Deanna said. And I know for a fact Deanna is a believer. I know what God's done in her life. Let's see the results of it. I want to see God do something in me just as much as I want to see Him do something in you. There are things I question about myself. How can I see what's going on and not do more of what I need to be doing? That's an area of repentance, it's an area of following after the Lord. Here's my prayer God, raise us up, those of us listening right now, and me included. Raise us up to be the standard against the enemy. Perfect us. Conform us to the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Make us holy and we'll be holy. Turn us and we'll be turned. Our hope is in the Lord. It is not in this. It's not in the flesh. It is in the Lord. And if he's given you a hunger and thirst for his word then praise God for that hunger and that thirst because he said, you will be filled. And it may not be the way you think it is, him raising you up as a standard. I told my kids from when they were little, I'm going to close on this. I told my kids when they were little, if you want to follow Jesus, you're probably not going to have a lot of friends. And when you get real friends... That want to follow Jesus too? Hang on to those friends. They'll be a source of great encouragement to you. The Lord will use them in your life. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I believe God does prosper, prosper us. John says, may you prosper as your soul prosper. And I don't mean that in necessarily material things, but I think he prospers us well-roundedly. If we're growing in him, he says, as your soul prospers, right? That's the caveat there. If your soul's not prospering, if you're not hungry and thirsting after righteousness, if you're not obedient, if you're not repenting, don't expect to be prospered. But I told them that. Hang on to that. If you have friends today, you need to get with them. Real Christian friends. You need to get with them. You need to start building that thing that we talked about in the community. The militia. Discipleship. That, that's where that can come from. Your grand juries, you want to bring justice? I mean, what did we read in the passage? It's, it's missing. You're the ones to bring justice. I'm the one to bring justice. We're to be a part of that, not run from it. I see people all the time, professed Christians, throw up their hands. Oh, there's nothing we can do. It's just going to be like this. Nonsense. Nonsense. That is the very attitude of the armies of Israel who were cowering in fear against one man. Yeah, he was a giant. He was a nine-foot-tall giant. He's got his armor on. He's got a sword. He's bellowing out, mocking the people of God. And the people of God, instead of standing up against him as an army, went and cowered, and a little shepherd boy had to show them who the God of Israel was, the true and living God. I know there are some of you listening. You're the Davids of the day. You're not alone. You're the Davids of today. Elijah thought he was the only guy after after he, after he destroyed all the prophets of Baal. After God had showed up on the scene and consumed the, the altar and the sacrifice in front of the faces of the people. What did Eli- Elijah say? Oh, I'm going to run because the painted woman is after me, Jezebel. She's after me. Oh, woe is me. I'm the only one left. And God's like, look, son. I got 7,000 guys just like you that haven't bowed the knee to bail either. Quit your pity party. Stop doing that stuff. And I know a lot of you out there think that. I'm the only one. Got a friend on Facebook. Love him to death. Sends me stuff almost each night. He says, man, I'm the only one here in in the state I'm in. Brother, you're not the only one. You just got to find the ones who are there who are like you. And God will bring them to you if you seek after him. I I really believe that. There are people there. There are other brothers and sisters there. And maybe you're the catalyst to spark that. I hope it's encouraging to you because we get enough bad news. We really do. And the church needs to repent. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the people of God. I'm throwing myself in there, so this isn't a pointing a finger at you moment the church needs to repent. Even many of the godliest among us need repentance because they're not doing all they can do either. the fact of the matter is we are dependent upon the man of war, the great physician, the creator of all things, the door, the Lamb of God, the sovereign creator. We're dependent upon him, the Lord Jesus. And if we don't turn and obey him, we'll, we have nothing to look forward to but destruction. Let's do that today. Let's see God move in our midst, as he will. Let's not put him on a timetable. I don't think you can organize revivals. I think you can do what God says. I'm fine with that. Some of the things that we read here were people in prayer, and they're in praise to the Lord, and they're repenting of sin. Those are things that we're supposed to do. And God will bring revival among his people if they're seeking after him. If they're not, don't expect that. If you're seeking after a man to do for you what you won't do for yourself, and I'm talking about in the political arena, that plan's doomed. You seek after the Lord, you will see results. You will see him do great and mighty things that you know not, for his own glory. Guys, catch Bradley at three p.m. Eastern, two p.m. Central. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and then we'll be back with you in the morning. Rotten to the Core Wednesday with the Common Core Diva, Lynn Taylor. See ya.